Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Yes, my energy level's a little down. I've got a bad cold, but I'm here with Father Charles Murr because it's Monday. Father, thanks for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Always a pleasure, Terry. You know that. Yeah, it's a pleasure for me, too. That's why I rolled out of bed. I said, I love this. Uh, Father, um, today we're going to continue on with the life of Christ by Archbishop Sheen. And I read the chapter, and I just thought uh, this prehistory of Christ, why that's so important. Wait till you hear, folks. This is stuff that you don't really think about, but it really will help you in understanding who uh, Jesus is and how it applies to you in your own life. Uh, I also, before we get to the, the gospel of the day, I wanted to talk a little bit about some good-to-know files. I should say need-to-know file. And here in California, as you probably know, folks, I'm in an uh, interesting state of California where they're doing some funny things. And like a couple of years ago when they shut everything down for COVID and made us wear masks and get vaccinated, you had to if you wanted to work for anybody. Well, we just got a story out of Huntington Beach. The, the city of Huntington Beach, the city council, said we're not going to implement anything that the governor says this time for the COVID. We're not going to mandate wearing a, a mask. If you want to wear a mask, go ahead. You want to wear two masks, go ahead. If you want to uh, get vaccinated, you're welcome to do that, but you can't be forcing people in the city of Huntington Beach. So I thought that was interesting that uh, this time, you know, round two, maybe more people are not going to be so submissive to the government on that. Last thing I wanted to say for the need-to-know file, out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, the governor of New Mexico decided saying that, hey, you know what, that Second Amendment you have? Nope, not in, not in my uh, state. And uh, the sheriff for the uh, area there, for Albuquerque, said, you know what, I'm not going to implement the governor's policy because it's unconstitutional, and I'm just not going to do it. And so it, it seems like there's more re re rebellious actions going on in the state when they see things that are being done that just doesn't make sense. And Father Murr, I'm just going to make the connection for the church. You know, we see things that are not making sense, like the, we call it dicastery now of the doctrine of faith. Uh, the Holy See decides to put a guy in there who doesn't have the morals of uh, the Catholic Church. And he's uh, got a track record that's really bad within the CDF. And now he is in charge of the CDF. And you know, my question in my mind is, what? Why would you do that? It's like putting the, uh, the uh, fox in charge of the hen house. And so we well, see, see things. Terry, yeah, see, Terry, you're, you're, see, Terry, you're not supposed to ask that question. I'm asking, though, Father, because it's, 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 <laughs> I see it as hypocrisy. Of course. Yeah. Of course. But, but the authority would tell you don't ask that question. Don't, don't look behind that curtain. Terry. Yeah, I get it. Well, Canon 2.12 gives me a right as a lay person, sure does. to say, hey, wait a minute, sure I'm not, can I ask this question? I, I mean, I have a need here. So I just think we need to be praying for the church, praying for, here's the thing that I pray for, Father Murr, two things. I pray for the Holy Father that he will confirm us in our faith because I know his salvation is really intricately uh, connected to doing just that. If he doesn't confirm us in his faith, his exit interview doesn't go well. Just like me as a layman, I have to confirm my family in the faith. I have to be that leader that shows them the faith and not compromise on the faith. So I'm going to be judged that way, and I'm sure a priest would have the same circumstances. You're going to be judged on how well you pass on the faith. So I just pray for Pope Francis because I see uh, challenges 
in the faith right now, especially with this Senate that's going on. I see them trying to change so much that uh, they can't be changed. And so I think that we're in a crisis stage. Now, I use the word crisis, Father Murr. Is that an exaggeration? Uh, I don't like the word, mm-hmm. but it's it's quite applicable. Okay. Yes, it is. I mean, I, why don't I like the yeah, why don't, why don't, like, why don't right. I like the word? I'll, I'll tell you why. Because I'm trying my best, Terry. Yeah. And I think we all are. Yeah. I think every Catholic is trying his best mm-hmm. to remain calm. Calm. Yeah, that's right. To remain and to remain solid in his or her faith. Right. Amen. Now, if what I keep telling, I get, I get. A lot of emails, as you do, I'm sure. sure. Uh, people very concerned and very worried about what's going on. Tell them not to be. No. You know your faith. Yep. Stick to it. Hold on to it. Exactly. There are, and they say, well, they're trying to change. I said, look, they can't change what cannot be changed. Amen. Right? That's not going to happen. And if they do, Terry, I've got a surprise for them. Yeah. They're the ones outside of the church, and, not uh, us. And you know who said that? Strickland said that not too long ago. Yeah, well, it just it just makes sense. Yeah, yep, yep. It just makes sense. All right. Well, thanks for that. Let's uh, let's see. The Gospel of the day is Luke chapter seven, verse one to ten. If you could read that and give us your commentary, that'd be grand. If I had it in front of me, Terry, I I'll would. I'll read it. I'll read it. I'm sorry. I you told me. All right, here comes. All right, when poor Jesus, man, you poor man, you just got out of a sick bed. Yeah, it, we, it, we we forgive you. Yeah, we forgive I'm you. laughing at myself, going, yeah, this is. You know what? I get to offer this up for Holy Mother, the Church, right? That that's that's what we can do. When I'll take that. yeah, here it comes a reading from the Holy Gospel according <clears throat> to Luke. When Jesus had finished all his words to the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave who was ill. And about to die. And he was valuable to him. When he heard. <coughs> excuse me. When he heard about Jesus. He sent the elders of the Jews to him. Asking him to come and save. The life of his slave. They approached Jesus. And strongly urged him to come. Saying. He deserves. To have you do this for him. For he loves our nation. And he built the synagogue for us. Okay. And Jesus went with them. But when he was only a short distance from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a person subject to authority, with soldiers subject to me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, here, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning, said to the crowd following him, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When the messenger returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord, Praise Jesus, to you, Lord Christ. Jesus Christ. Your thoughts? Well, a number of things that come to mind. Uh, one of them, one of the things that, that, that strikes me most is, uh, this is the human nature. It's human nature, and it makes me laugh all of the time, and especially when we encounter it in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you owe him this. You owe him this favor. He built us a synagogue. Yeah, I know that that was funny. Right? Yeah. You owe the, you owe this to him. Yeah. You know, do do that miracle. He built us a synagogue. I remember I I remember the the story they told of the of the parish priest yeah. in a little town in Mexico praying the rosary. He started the rosary and he started the rosary and he said uh, the first uh, sorrowful mystery, the agony in the garden. And he looks over and there's a dog. Yeah running through the sanctuary. Oh, my gosh. And he calls to the sacristan. He said, Manuel, get rid of the dog, our father who art in heaven. Oh, Hallelujah. that's funny. They get, when they get done with the first mystery, the second sorrowful mystery, the scourging of the pillar, he, he, looks, he looks around, he still sees the dog. He said, Manuel, get rid of the dog, our father who art in heaven. Help me. Oh, and then Manuel comes up to him and whispers in his ear. He's on a he's on a, in a, in a an, on a kneeler yeah. in front of, in the sanctuary. He said, "Father, that's Mrs. Gonzalez's dog. Mrs. Gonzalez, the one who rebuilt the, the towers of the of the, oh, the bell tower." Funny. And he said, and the priest turns and said, "Manuel, a kneeler for the dog." <laughs> that's a <laughs> right. great story. This, we, this week we've got we've got the same situation going. The Jews. We're following him. You owe him this. He built us a synagogue. Mm -hmm. Come through for us, right? Yep. And our Lord, and I, I think I think this is this is one of the one of the beautiful parts of this too. To remember that our entire mass, the liturgy, yes, that we have, the sacred liturgy, is Terry. It's all from sacred scripture. Exactly. How yep. many times have you heard Terry that you Catholics don't know your Bible all the time? Right. Well, we Catholics may not know. Matthew 25, 6, 7, like a bingo number. Mm -hmm. We may not know that. However, our entire liturgy is made up of sacred scripture. That's true. And this is one of the most beautiful parts that comes right before communion. Exactly. This. Huh? Exactly. I mean, this is so beautiful. Lord, I'm not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. It's right from the Bible. Yes, yes. And we and we say that three times. Yes, three we times. We say that three times in the old in the old mass. Why? Because remember it, remember it, remember it. And you know what's interesting? The Anglican ordinary. Let it, let it sink. Let it right. sink down. You are not worthy. Right? And Father, yeah. just so you know, maybe you didn't know this, but at the Anglican ordinary, we say it three times because it's so close to the Trinitine Mass. It's only in English. About eighty percent of that liturgy. Uh, is the Trinitine Mass, the Anglican Ordinariate. So, yeah, we see I attended, it. I attended uh, the, the, the Anglican oh, uh, Mass with you one time. Oh, right here on the visiting. Yeah, good. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yep. It's beautiful. All right, anything it, else? It, it, you know what it was to me? No, Terry, Father. It seemed to me the way that the Mass should have been oh, yeah. uh, treated after the Second Vatican Council. Absolutely. Exactly and, and, you know, we're going to take a quick break. I want to get right back into the Gospel. Uh, here on the Terry and Jesse show with Father Charles Murr. We're going to be getting into the life of Christ with Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Uh, but we're going to continue on the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 7, with commentary from Father Charles Murr. Stay with us, family. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome back indeed. Terry Barber with Father Charles Murrow on a Monday. We always talk about the life of Christ and Bishop Sheen's book. Right now we're just finishing up the Gospel of Luke chapter 7. Father Murrow, you gave us a, a biblical you know, understanding of how the Mass is so biblical. You know, Before we receive Holy Communion, we say, you know, Lord, 
Um, I'm not worthy, but only say the word, my soul shall be healed three times. But I also want to ask your comment on where um, the soldier in the, in the, in the uh, gospel uh, doesn't even feel worthy to go visit Jesus with his um, soldier that needs to be healed. And it seems to me that there's a connection there from humility. But can you read that? I'll read the little section, then give us a commentary on that. It says, I, he says to, um, to the, he says, I, I did not consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a person subject to authority with soldiers subject to me. I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and do this, you know. Okay, so bottom line is, uh, he, our Lord's response was, I tell you, not even in Israel have I sound, found such faith. When the messengers returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. What connection is there for us today? Uh, you know, you've got to like the military. There are, there, are, there are some aspects of the military that drive me crazy. Yeah. Right? I, I don't think I'd be a great soldier. Okay. I don't think I'd make it through boot camp. <laughs> However, one of the things that we all admire about the military is order. That's right. Authority. Discipline. Yeah. Discipline and following through. Yes. All right. And this is here you're talking to a centurion, a man who's over 100 soldiers. Right. He's the commandant for 100 soldiers. And what he's saying to our Lord is, is, is what we often say to so many people. Look, I don't need an explanation. I don't need you to tell me to do this. To do that. I'll do whatever you want. You don't have to go all the way to my home. You can take care of the matter right here. Yep. Right? Whatever. I'm not worthy to have you in my home. Right? And he accepts he accepts Christ for exactly what Christ said. And our Lord says, now this is a Roman. Yeah. This is a Roman. This is not a Jew. Right. This is a Roman centurion. And our Lord turns to the to the Jews, his own people, and says, In all of Israel, mm. I've not found the faith that this man has You're right because he's not asking any questions there are, i don't need any questions i don't need any answers i know what you can do do it if you will if you don't will that that'll be that yeah right i this attitude is a great one. it's a great one you know father the spiritual writers that i've read say that one of the reasons people don't really turn their life over to christ is because they don't really think God's, well, I'll use the word big enough to take care of them. They really don't trust. So it's a trust factor. They don't trust God enough to give their life to them. And it seems like in this gospel, there's an example of tremendous trust that says, you know what? If you say it, I believe it. It's a done deal. And it just seems to me that in the world that we live in today, this gospel is very applicable to all of us that we need to ask, I say this every day, I ask Jesus Christ for more faith every day because if you don't ask, you don't get. Am I onto something? You're onto everything. Uh, you know, I, I, I've told you this before, but the televangelists yeah. I, I used to watch for entertainment. Sure. I, I really did. I thought they were funny. I, I thought it was the whole thing was funny, the, the theatrics and everything else. But one of the things that, that they would always come up with, especially, what is it called, Terry? You, you're more familiar with that world. Yeah. Uh, the gospel of prosperity. Right, right. The gospel of prosperity, health and wealth. God. Is that what it's called? They call it okay. the health the and wealth gospel. There you go. And and uh, if you do this, God will give you that. Yeah. If you do that, God will give you this. 
and God's going to send you money and he's going to send you this. I told you one time, one time I heard, uh, it was the, it was actually the Bakers. Remember the, the, the of famous course, Bakers? Yeah, sure. Tammy, sure. Tammy, and, yeah. And Jim, yep. That, I think it was she who said, when you ask God for something, let it be big enough. Let ask, don't ask for a car, ask for a Cadillac. <laughs> and when you ask for the Cadillac, remember to tell him what color. Oh, that's hilarious. Right. right. Well, I'm, I'm laughing. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Look, God is not going to answer any such prayers. God is not, God's not into theatrics and he's not into magic. Right. However, you ask God for a spiritual good, yes. as you just mentioned, sure. an augment of faith, yes. an augment of charity, uh, 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 an, an increase in, in faith, hope, charity. Right. You'll get it. Amen. Patience, patience with somebody else. Uh, I, right. I, I, I remember this. Remember this. You have to watch how God answers prayers too. You have yeah. to be careful because he's he's sneaky. He's sneaky. Right. There was Saint. I think it was. I think it was Saint Philip Neri. I think it was Saint Philip Neri oh, in the oratory yeah. Rome, who who asked God for in prayer for particular uh, particular patience with a with a brother, with a confer, a brother, the sacristan, sure. who was always fuddling up everything and nothing ever came out right. And, and St. Philip was, was losing patience with him all the time and getting angry. Mm -hmm. And he said, dear God, grant me patience with this brother. And just as he had finished the prayer, a cruet fell on the marble floor and smashed. And it was this brother who, had, who was washing the things and, and broke the cruets. And, and, and St. Philip, Philip got angry at him. Yeah. Right? That right after he said to God, didn't I ask you for patience? And the Lord answered him. Yeah. And he said, and I sent you an opportunity. Oh, there you go. I get it. Yeah. You just failed it. Right? Um, yeah, I get it. You failed it. But yeah. that's it. Anyway, the, the thing is this. The thing is this. When we ask God for spiritual things, he's certainly listening. Awesome. You ask him for material nonsense. He has better things to do. Okay. Well, let's bring the smartest guy into the room, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. <laughs> And uh, Bishop Sheen says there's three rules in life uh, when you're dealing with people. And uh, I love this. He says there are three rules of dealing with all those who come to us. The first rule, kindness. The second rule, kindness. And the third rule, kindness. Uh, Father Mer, there's a book by Father Lavosic. Sophia Press published it called The Hidden Power of Kindness. And I got to think... Mm -hmm that uh, what Bishop Sheen said, in my own life, I have found, even dealing with difficult people, especially when they expect you not to be kind back to them, when they treat you horribly, uh, it really does work. Uh, you know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. But what has been your experience on the power of kindness in your life? Sometimes it costs a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's that's true. my first my first reaction is sometimes it costs a lot to be kind. That's true. Uh, especially especially to people who are who are rude. Yeah. Rude. Some sometimes blasphemous. Yes. I told I told you many stories of, of walking into hospital rooms. I used to love going to visit. Yeah, tell us those stories. Those are outstanding stories. I want to. Well, it's just that you don't always find people who are open. You think? <laughs> to, to, a, to a priest coming in the yeah, room, right? Yeah. 
And as soon as and as soon as they some people, as soon as they see the priest, yeah. assume they're going to die. Yeah. They assume somebody sent the priest in because somebody knows I'm going to die. Right. And therefore they sent the priest in. Well, that doesn't set things up real well. So if you don't have patience, that's right. And if you're not very kind, mm -hmm. and if you can't muster up at least, if not a full smile, yeah. At least, kind of a, a half-contented grin. Yeah, you're not going to get any, you're not getting anywhere with people. Amen. You're just not. Well, you, yeah. the, the, the way the way to do everything is is really through kindness. And when when we fail at, in whatever our mission is, if you look back, it was because we lost patience and we weren't kind enough to to people. True, an awful lot. What you just so, hey, Terry? Yes. Also, sometimes. Sometimes it's the fault of those people. Oh yeah, right? yeah. You can't. It's not always ours. No, but. but but smiling at somebody is such a it's a small form of enthusiasm. Feel God is in you, so it doesn't cost anything to smile. I I actually um, have had people tell me over and over again over the years, "Hey, knock that smile off your face." I said, "What? Oh. Why? Yeah. You know, what I mean is that you know you know why I'm going to uh, let me tell me. let me, Give me yeah, let you in on a secret. Yeah. Uh, when I was studying psychology, yeah, we we had to do we had to do certain studies or observe certain studies done on monkeys. Oh, that's funny. Right? Yeah. Oh, well, they're hilarious. They're hilarious. But it can't. It comes down to this: monkeys also smile. I didn't know that. You know that? No, oh, yes. I didn't. But what they do is. What they do is they show their teeth. Oh, okay. So, so that the other monkeys can see the following. I'm not afraid of you. Oh. Right? That's interesting. That's interesting. It's, it's not, if, I, if I had No, I've seen teeth, monkeys right? do that. I have seen monkeys yeah. do that a lot. Yeah, no. well, they, show, they show their teeth and it's like a smile, but, it, but it's really transmitting the idea, I do not fear you. Oh, I get it. And we do the same thing as people. We've learned this uh, over the years that when you smile, you're telling people that they're in confidence. Yeah. They have nothing to fear. You don't fear them. Right. And it's an openness. Great point. That's why it and, and it and it really throws a lot of people off. Oh, it does. They don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for that insight. That's uh, something you know. I always say every day. I want to learn something. Well, I just learned about monkeys today. Why? Another point of useless information. No, Harry. I think it's awesome, actually, because it, it, it made, made sense to me. All right, let's go. My, my book of Life of Christ is page 12. But it's called The Prehistory of Christ. And I just want to read something, and then Father will go into that. He said, The Lord to be born of Mary is the only person in the world who had ever had prehistory. Yeah, think about that. Prehistory to be studied, not in the prim, prim, primeval um, slang and jungles, but in the bosom of eternal father. through Though he appeared at the uh, caveman in Bethlehem, since he was born in a stable, hewed out of a rock. His beginning in time as man was without beginning. You have to think about that one. You'll, we'll talk about that. As God in an agelessness of eternity. Whoa, think, man, chew on that one. That's powerful. He grew in the consciousness of divinity. It was due rather to his intent to be slow in revealing the purpose of his coming. And I just want to read from the Gospel of John because John makes this point very, very clear uh, in the Gospel of John chapter 1. We read it at uh, uh, so much at the Old Mass. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, excuse me, I'll read it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was made nothing that was made. Father Murr, this there's a reason we repeat it so much in the old mass, because that there's you could speak all day on this topic what, that the gospel just said. So as I a, as a matter of as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, Terry, yeah. I know uh, several priests yeah. who did biblical studies. Just on that? And their thesis yeah. was the prologue of St. John. There you That's go. All. So there you go. Just on that. So we can and the thesis was, you know, five or six hundred pages. Got it. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk on the Gospel of uh, Chapter 1 and the beginning of the Gospel and much more. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Father Charles Murr is with us every Monday here on our network. And we're always covering the book by Bishop Sheen called The Life of Christ. And Father, can you kind of repeat what you just said? You know priests that have done dissertations on John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. And Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact I, can re- I can recall the name of one. Yeah. No, I won't say his name. No. But he was a Jesuit. He yeah. was a Jesuit professor of mine. I didn't particularly like him. Yeah. <laughs> however, yeah. However, it doesn't matter whether I liked him or not. He knew his stuff. Yeah. And, and he did uh, the prologue of Saint John. In principio ad verbum, ad verbum ad deum, ad deus ad verbum. The word the, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. So what? I love I love that because those there, there are many people that I, that I approach that approach me to and said, you know, the Bible. They're talking about the New Testament. Yes. Never says that Christ was God. Christ never said he was God, and it doesn't really say that he was God. That's nonsense. Right. That's absolute nonsense. And this Gospel of John says it right on the head. That's right. The Word, the Word, the Logos, yep. was Christ, was in the beginning with God the Father. Yep. He was, he was in the beginning. He was with God the Father, and he was God. Right. It's, it's, I don't know how, how much clearer you want that. Right. But we're getting on to something something different, Terry. Tell me. It's also a prologue of, of, of text. In Sheen, you just talked about it before, the the pre-announcement yes. of Christ. And why is that important, Terry? Tell us. Well, it's important because it's uh, it authenticates the messenger. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Sheen, Bishop Sheen, in, in another talk that he gave, said this. He gave this example. Uh, if you would take the, the the president of a nation and he would just get on a plane and show up in London and knock on Buckingham Palace's door yeah. and say, I'm here, I'm president so-and-so, well, they'd lock him up. Right. They would lock him up. He would either be a maniac or they would accuse him of being a spy or somebody who wanted access to to kill the king or the queen or what have you. Right. So everyone who wants to pay a visit, look, I've got people who come over to visit me. Mm-hmm. They write beforehand. Of course. Is it okay that we visit them back and forth? Yes. Well, the same thing. God didn't just send his, his only begotten son into the world and say, there he is. Right. 
He prepared the world for him. Now, I've got a particular a particular request to ask of our listening audience. Sure. Years ago, I came across a book. I cannot find it. Nobody knows how to direct me toward it. It was a book written by a Jesuit, one of the good ones, one of the good ones, mm -hmm. with all of the prophecies of Christ, of the Messiah, from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. There were approximately 400. Wow. There are over 300. There are over 300 prophecies. 40 of them are major. 40 of them are major. Mm -hmm. But this entire book was of the prophecies. I can't find the book anywhere. Oh, my God. If anybody has an idea of that, and I'll tell you what, and I'm, I'm going to say it right here on this program. And if I don't find that book, I'm going to write it. <laughs> Good. I'll, I'll, Good. I'll rewrite it because th these prophecies of who Christ is, yep. the pre-announcement of Christ, is the preparation for him that the world needed before he arrived. And it's absolutely fundamental. And what else is important about that, Terry? No other founder of right. any other religion. And listen, I'm going to say it clearly. Every other religion, dare I say this, Terry? Dare I say it? You should say it, yeah. Every other religion besides Christianity, besides Catholicism, is false. That's true. That's that's our that's been our faith for forever. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it works. Now, so and there and the reason they're false, one of the reasons is because their founders were not pre-announced. Exactly. Right? Yep. Mohammed wasn't pre-announced. Nope. nope. Martin Luther wasn't pre-announced. Nope. <laughs> Etc. Etc. So this pre-announcement is something great, and I've got a bigger surprise for you too. Yeah. But I want you to go ahead on this. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've got something that, that that requires a little bit of time. Well, no, okay. Well, here's all I, I wanted, wanted to say is um, that Fulton Sheen says now the thought of the Word of God is revealed as personal. You know that to me, wisdom is vested in personality. Prior to his earthly existence, Jesus Christ is eternally God. The wisdom, the thought of the Father in his earthly existence, he is that through the word of God speaking to men. Sheen says, the words of men pass away when they have been conceived and uttered. But here's the, here's the uniqueness of this. But the word of God is eternally uttered and can never cease from utterance. By his word, <coughs> the eternal Father presses all that he understands, all that he knows, as the mind holds converse with himself by its own thought and sees and knows the world by means of this thought. Here it is. So does the Father see himself as in a mirror in the person of his word. I can go on, but here's the point that I, I think is so profound, Father Murray and our listeners, is that studying the word of, of, that God was before, after, during. In other words, this is um, outside of time. If, if, can I say it that way? It's outside sure of can. time. Yes. And I and I think about outside, that outside of time, outside of time and space. In space, yeah. And the word was pronounced and entered into time and into space. Yeah. See, that's powerful. What no. these are thoughts that you know. Maybe you missed because nobody's ever brought him up, but I think Fulton Sheen is really showing the beauty of our and the depth of our faith. It's really deep, Father, what he's saying here. Absolutely, absolutely. So your thoughts? We, 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 
Now we, we've got, we've got, I want to cover one other thing mm -hmm. because I agree with you and I agree with Sheen yeah. very, very much. So I, I was very impressed when I read that. I remember reading it just many, many years ago. I was, I was, I wasn't a priest. Mm -hmm. I was like, my goodness, mm -hmm. God took time yeah. through the prophets. He raised up these men in the old Testament yeah. to prepare people for hundreds of years, at least 400 right. years at least 400 years before Christ with yep. the prophecies of where he was going to be born, where he was going to be raised, who his mother was going to be, that he would have to leave to save his life to go to Egypt. He would come back. All of these things are, are foretold. And this gives credence to the, this makes Christ's claim to be the son of God legitimate. Well right? said. Now, now here's, here's one thing. And I never, I really never considered that before reading Shane. Yeah, I mean, it was too. there. I mean, I, I grew up with this, but it never it never hit home. We you said something that's right. And and I'm going to disagree with it. In part. Good. Right. You said. Christ and Sheen is saying this. Yeah. So so if you if you're wrong, Terry, you're wrong with the best. That's, that's cute. <laughs> he said he said no one else was pre announced. Right. Well, I beg to differ. Okay. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you an announcement here. Right, I'm going to make comes. an announcement. And I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it. There is a, a new book coming out mm -hmm. on, on Our Lady of Guadalupe. Oh, good. Right? I think it's revolutionary. Why is that? It's not just, it's not just, a, it's not just a, a, a nice devotional book. Uh, a married couple, Joseph and Monique Gonzalez, from California, mm -hmm. have been working on this for years. Wow, for years, and it's finally going to be published by Sophia Press. Good. It should be. It should be out in a couple more months. And what it is talking about is this: the pre-announcement of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Wow, that's interesting. Right? Yeah. Now, now I've never. I had never heard. I was up with with this. This is a fantastic married couple. They're 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 great people. And they're just excited about this whole theme, theme and about their finds. We were up, I think, until three o'clock in the morning. Oh, my gosh. Because I had always considered, and I think most of your most of your listeners, I know we're getting a little bit off the theme. No, Pardon no, me, but I'm, I'm excited no, about this. Good. Too. I want to hear about it. And it, comes, and it goes back to this point that, that Sheena is making about pre-announcing, pre-announcing. Uh, I always thought... Most of your, most of our uh, our listeners are very familiar with the with Our Lady of Guadalupe, and, sure. the, and most of them have devotion to her. You bet. So this is, this I think is going to be a particular interest. Uh, here's what happened. I always thought that the miracle of Our Lady of Guadalupe was the roses she produced. I it was it was originally told to me as a child by the good sisters, but I don't think they they read the complete book. Right, <laughs> that roses appeared in December. When they don't grow, right? Well, excuse me. I lived in Mexico for almost fifteen years. Wow. We always had we always had roses in December. So I'm, I'm thinking, well, where is the miracle? And then, they, well, the the image that she left on the tilma is is the miracle. Well, yes and no. Here's what happened. Imagine this: when the Spaniards went to Mexico, mm -hmm. their missionaries went out, mostly Franciscans. But there were some Jesuits also, Father Kino, right. what have you, right? And Dominicans also. 
they hardly could make converts. It was, it was almost impossible. It was so difficult mm. that the Franciscan priest in charge of Mexico City wrote back to the, the, to the king of Spain through, through his chancellors to take back, I don't know how many, what number of priests of yeah. Spaniards that they had sent over because they're wasting their time. They're wasting their time with wow. the with the Indians. Nobody's nobody's listening to the message of Christ. Nothing. Wow. All of a sudden, all of a the sudden, there is the miracle of Juan Diego, who receives the tilma of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Right. And Terry, in less than in less than I don't know five, six, seven years. Yeah, seven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nine million Incredible. people were baptized. Now, why? Why? It wasn't just because of the image. It was because the image had on it everything that the Mayans and the Aztecs had in their folklore wow. about, about, about the next life and about this special woman who was in charge of the world of flowers. It's fantastic. fantastic. And, on her and on her image is our flowers wow. and the whole thing the whole, but, but they go into everything hey we'll when come the, right back in a quick minute stay with us family welcome back to the terry and jesse show to join the conversation call 888-526-2151 now here's terry and jesse welcome back indeed father charles murr sitting in for jess on a monday as he always does and Father, you were, you were talking about a book on Our Lady of Guadalupe by a husband and wife, uh, the Gonzalez family. And Sophia Press is the publisher. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I wanted you, as you said, in a couple of weeks, it'll probably be out. So I want to be, make sure people take a look at Sophia Press. Any book by uh, Sophia Press that's published is a good book. I can just tell you about it. It is. Right off it, is. it is. Do you want to finish up? But, on my, my, but my whole point here, Terry, and uh, I'll end this, mm -hmm. is... That that the 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 Indians, both the Aztec and the yeah. Mayan Indians and the other tribes, mm -hmm. recognized in Our Lady of Guadalupe the fulfillment right. of prophecies that they already had for hundreds of years, was what made her credible. Right. Yeah. This, right. this is this is how this is how dynamic it was that nine million people were baptized Catholics. And th those priests they were going to send back to Spain, no. <laughs> They stayed right there. They had yep. their hands full. <laughs> I, I find it interesting, Father, at that same time uh, where 9 million people become Catholic, the Reformation is going on in Europe, and we're right. having a mass exodus of people joining Protestant churches, Lutheran and Calvin and all that, and the years. And it just seems uh, so <coughs> interesting that that same time, we're losing people. We're gaining them back in Mexico. So I think that's fascinating. Father Murr, it is. Um, I want to also uh, get um, on, on John 1. You said you can talk for years on it. Uh, Sheen talks about John 1, 3 to 5. says, all things were made by him. Without him was made nothing that was made. He In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I, I like what Sheen says here. <coughs> Excuse me. He says, everything in space and time exists because of the creative power of God. 
I think that, right. you know, when, when I was youngster, a, a young man, did you ever study the attributes of God in your catechism? I did. No? The attributes of God. Help, help me. What the were attributes, they? No, you know, seriously. He's omnipotent. In other words, yes. Uh, uh, what, 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 how many of them were there? You know, I do don't remember. No, I do not. I bet you're going to tell me though. No, 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 no. I, I wish I could. No, I don't. I just remember <laughs> being as Barry, a yeah. I, in my own defense, I'm sure they are. They're infinite. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, the reason I'm bringing this up is this. I really think one of the problems and challenges we are faced is uh, we we have to get into the mind of God in a sense of how big God is. In other words, this idea that everything in space and time exists because of the creative power of God. He says, matter is not eternal. That's so true. I, I mean, people say, well, okay, that's fine. Well, the universe has an intelligent personality back of it. An architect, a builder, a sustainer. Creation is the work of God. He says, the sculpture work on marble, the painter on canvas, the mechanic on the matter, but none of them can create. They bring existing things into combinations, but nothing else. Creation belongs to God alone. And Father, this is why I think we're living in some credible times, because we have come to the conclusion that we want to play God. What I mean by that is oh, yes. we want to try and say, we yes. create everything. And that's just pride. But I, I bring this up because God writes his name on every on the soul of every man and woman. Reason and conscience are the God within us in the natural order. This is order here. And I think that we need to understand that because sometimes I think people don't understand how God operates. And and, and Volton Sheen in this section really points out how uh, how it all works. In other words, it's not uh, it's nothing at random. See, people think, oh, I just happened to be born and, you know, I have parents. no. If you, you know, when you think about it, God from all eternity saw you coming into this world. See, that's a big difference from a di big difference from a world that says <coughs> I might have been a mistake of my mom and dad. No, God doesn't make mistakes, and I just think that Sheen is really giving us how it all works together. And I think that if you don't understand this, then you might think that you're not very significant. But in in one sense, you're very significant because from all eternity, God knew you and he willed for you to come into existence and that's a powerful thought that's magnificent that's a magnificent thought i think it so. is it is gives you and dignity look, look here here for a couple of a couple of things if you if you look at god as the great artist yes all right or the great the the, the great artist yeah imagine the most talented artist in the world mm -hmm. and he's painting uh a landscape or a or a, a landscape that would include everything around him okay. everything a house a, a river a this and the other thing a blue sky the sun, everything and when he finishes it he looks at it and he says it's just lacking one thing yeah. and he puts down his palette and his colors and he walks into it oh that's funny he enters. Yeah. He enters into the painting wow. that he just created, sure, right? Sure. And now, you have any question about the painting? Well, ask the man who painted it. He's yeah. with you, all right. Isn't this it? is it. I love it. Right? So we, we, we've got we've got all. There's there's something else too. In his in his preparation, 
the preparation for Christ Jesus. <laughs> he prepared, and, and Sheena's going to get into this in just a, a couple yeah. pages. Yeah. He prepared. He also pre-prepared yes. a fantastic woman. Mm. He created He created the Blessed Virgin Mary. He created his own mother. I keep telling people this. We love our mothers. We love our mothers. She was our first love, and that's all there is to it. She's the most important person in most of our lives. Oh, yeah. She plays a, an incredibly important role in our lives. Well, if you love your mother, whom you did not create, you didn't put her together. Right. You just accepted what was, and you found in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, the capacity to love her. Can you imagine, can you just imagine for a moment creating your own mother? Yeah. Putting her together, putting everything about her together wow. out of the perfection. Sheen says, too, that Mary was the perfection of womanhood that God had in his mind from all eternity. Powerful. That statement. And it stands to reason if she's going to be the mother of God. If you could make she your mother better be well put together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, and, and, her, and her soul and her mind better be focused on God. And she must be pure and holy. She's going to be the mother of God. This is fantastic. But I get, now I get excited. We get we get to one other thing. Yeah, tell me. If he did that for himself and he did that for his mother, those are marvelous, marvelous things. But you just hit on it yourself, Terry. He also did that for each one of us. Yes. See, that's what's important. And if you don't realize that you are cheating yourself of dignity, you are cheating yourself of a dignity. Father, I'm convinced that you're the psychologist or you studied psychology. I, uh, I'm convinced that a lot of depression that we have in the world today is because people don't know the meaning and purpose of life. They don't know the value of themselves made in the image and likeness of God. They think and I, I, I hear this from a lot of people. They just think that, you know, I just happen to come in here and I'm just like, you know, uh, in, in, in anything. I mean, I don't have any special uh, dignity. And I think that I would be depressed if I thought that. You know, does, does, do you find that too? If they, you don't think that you have any special uh, essence in the world that you just happen to just by random come and, you know, you just, you know, you live 80 years and you, do what you can for as long as you can, and then you die? I mean, what kind of... Have you ever been in a situation in a place, you're, I don't know for what reason, or what reason you showed up at some event, Yeah. and somebody looks at you eye to eye and says, what are you doing here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, why are why are you here? What, yeah. what, what's the matter with you? Okay. What are you doing here? You have no right to be here. Right. Well, all of a sudden, we're deflated completely, right? Exactly. Well, this is exactly it. Because we don't have, we, we believe ourselves accidental. Yeah. We, we don't have a real purpose. We, we're dispensable. We're accidental. If I die, nothing is going to change. If I live, nothing's going to change. What a, what a sad way to even be. It's just, it's remarkable. In that, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it, yeah. it, I, I, I've talked to those, to people like that. You have too. Oh, yeah. And, and to get them to love themselves oh, in a yeah. proper sense of loving. Right is is a major step, and we've got a world that's making us garbage. Yeah, and we've got a world that is making us into garbage and saying that we're that we are dispensable. There's nothing to us. Yeah. Next. Yeah, and, and you see, and I'm convinced that you know the uh, whole <clears throat> suicide 
that is going on with our culture. People are committing suicide. I see it here at our chapel with all the funerals of young people dying. And, and, and again, this is why it's incredibly important <clears throat> that people know the meaning and purpose of God. And that's the whole point of the network, to introduce people to the person of Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, to show them that they are <clears throat> valuable in the eyes of God and that they have a purpose in life. Of course. And so that they can have a focus. I mean, how often, uh, what, what would give you, I'll just give you a, a fun story. This is, again, showing uh, how important it is to give people dignity. This will give you, I think we have a minute to tell this story. I think this story <coughs> is about a young man <coughs> who was having trouble in school. And by golly, uh, his father was saying, you know, you really got to do better. I mean, life is, uh, uh, you, you got to do well in school because this will be important for your future. And he's just like, okay, Dad, well, I'm going to take the SAT test. And, uh, you know, because it's, um, it's time to do it. And he takes it, and he gets a 1,460-point score, which is, like, extremely high. And uh, he, he's like, wow, I guess I'm pretty smart. You know, wow. I, and he says, yeah, I'll go to college. I'll go to junior college. I, then he ended up going to junior college, getting a trade school. Uh, he started his own business, and he's, he's really successful. And about three years later... He gets a notice from the SAT people saying there's been a mistake. Your score was actually 740. <laughs> right. You, you, you get the point, though? He right. had dignity because he thought, well, I'm, I, I, I am right. smart. And so it affected him. So I only say that because once they know that Jesus Christ loves them, they have a purpose in life, it's a game changer. Father Murr, how about a blessing from uh, you, please? Absolutely, Terry. And and, uh, and this is a special blessing to you in particular. Yeah, Terry. I need it. I'm a little I, want, I want you healthier. Thank I want you. you to get healthy. Thank you. All right? Benedicat mm-hmm. omnipotens Deus Pater, Filius Spiritus Sanctus, Shendit Super Post, Manit Semper. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God Father Murray, before you leave, Jesse was here. I'd say, Jess, what state should we be living in? What would you say? State of grace. Yeah, yay, team. And don't forget, folks, Our Lady of Fatima said that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. I've been sick all week. I get to make those sacrifices for the salvation of souls. Boy, thank you for Our Lady of Fatima showing me that and uh, my Catholic faith. Without it, I couldn't I couldn't offer it. So please God join me in that. Join me in that because every action can become like a blank check if Christ's name is on it. Thanks again for joining us, and may God richly bless you and your family.